Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. Thriller writer Sharon Dory may have grown up in a normal suburban neighborhood outside Chicago with normal parents who worked normal jobs while living a normal life. And even though Sharon, a wife and mother of three children, does most of the normal things an American housewife does, she's been getting away with murder. Writing about murder, of course. Join Sharon and me for some hilarious moments as we discuss her nearly perverse love of dark humor, pages of hot and steamy sex, and a fistful of dark, twisted, and broken characters with whom she hangs out. With a master's degree in biotechnology, this former science professor and stock analyst has turned her craft of writing stock reports to crafting psychological thrillers. Please welcome Sharon Doring, author of Confess to Me. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Let's talk about you, young lady. So you've been a science professor, a biotech stock analyst, but my favorite, and you know I had to research it because I'm a nerd, probably kind of like you a little bit, xenotransplantation researcher. Now, I thought to myself, okay, why would one be doing that? Let's just... Um, so just because they use... So for different surgeries they can use animal parts. So they've, they used in the, and I was doing this in the, in the late nine, no, 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 early 200, early 2000s, early 2000s. Um, they use like pig valves and different things in the human, you know, different components, like in surgeries and heart surgery. And that's what they were. That's what the team I was on. So I was just in the laboratory working on how to not set off the immune response. Like there's the, you know, the whole immune system cascade of reactions for, rejecting an organ. Um, so we were working in the lab and then there were surgeons on our team too, who were, you know, going and doing the surgeries where they were, um, you know, and this was experimentation. This was just with blood and pigs. They weren't involving humans at this point because they needed to test it. Um, and actually the funny thing is they, they offered, they asked me like, Hey, do you want to come watch these surgeries? And I was like, I don't know. I was lazy or something. I'm like, nah. <laughs> and in hindsight, I'm like, I should have went. That would have been really cool. Um, but so it's all um, it's all so that the host doesn't reject those organs. Um, so they're just, you know, figuring out how to get, um, you know, humans to not reject these pig parts. Um, yeah. And it's the interesting thing, actually, is they don't use like chimps and, you know, closer relatives to us because we share more viruses with them. So it's riskier. Oh, you know, it, like it's kind of, it's pretty interesting. They use pigs because they're close enough, but they're not close enough that there's this risk for virus jumping. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> is it so fascinating jumping. or so boring? No, no, no. I find it fascinating because look here. First of all, number one, impressive. Number two, <laughs> kind of rife with creepy factor. But number three, mostly, <laughs> are you going to use that expertise in a future book? I don't know. It also, it just sounds fun on a bio. Like, what the heck is that? <laughs> well, you know what it sounds, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite authors of all time. And the guy, one of the guys who really kind of tickled that bug in my brain to make me want to write is Michael Crichton. 
Yeah. He, yeah, he was so good. I mean, like all like his ideas and actually how he was able to manifest these ideas, these, you know, these science, these very profound or complex science ideas and just make them just super fun and yeah. totally accessible. He, yeah. That was pretty amazing to be able to do that. <laughs> so all this science aside, how did you go one day go, okay, let's do this. Let's forget masters, biotech, xenoplantationology. I want to write. I want to write creepy thrillers, psychological torment. I guess. Um, so I got into science because I liked studying it and I liked learning these different ways um, of analyzing things and thinking. But then once I got into a science job, <laughs> so I was, I was working as a biotech stock analyst and it was like, it was like the late nineties. I really didn't like it. <laughs> and it was kind of one of my early jobs. And I think that if I was maybe a little bit older, when I was, when I started this job, I would have been able to stick it out because it, yeah. you know, it's like good money and stuff like that. But I was maybe too like young and like, I want to do what I want to do. And this isn't a good job and I don't like it. And it was, um, I mean, it was also a weird, yeah, it was a weird time. It was a small brokerage firm. And um, I just, I just didn't like the atmosphere. Um, I started really reading as an escape. And I mean, I always read, but I didn't like read, read, you know, like all the time. So I started as an escape. And then also um, I, at the same time, I was writing these stock reports and the only part of my job that I loved was the writing. And I would like write these reports that were supposed to be, you know, pretty dry. And I would like add all these things. <laughs> and my boss is like, no, you can't write that. Like, no, like cutting all this, like, you know, the voice out of it. Um, yeah. And I'm like, huh, I, I really like writing. So it kind of, you know, I didn't realize like you could be a writer. I didn't know anyone who was a writer. And so I just kind of realized slowly, it took me a while to realize, oh, I really like writing and I really like reading and I'm going to try writing some short stories for fun. So um, early on, I mean, the goal was always, can I get it published? But, you know, it's not like the total goal because, you know, it takes a really long time for most people. It took super long for me. It was just so fun. Like that moment I sat down and wrote my first short story, it was just like, magical. You know what I mean? That like, oh, fun, sure. just like, it's a blast. And I knew, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, regardless of what happens. And then it took me like 20 years <laughs> to get a book out. It took me a long time. <laughs> well, now, is that because you married three kids, raising kids and going to school and teaching and all of that? Or because were you, uh, I'm assuming you yeah. were keeping a notebook honing your skills? Did you self-publish it all in the meantime? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, I, part of it is I'm just slow. Right. And I was working and stuff like that, but part of it is I'm slow, but, um, I was, I mean, I, gosh, I wrote like several dozen stories. I got just a couple of them published in like real small magazines, nothing, nothing like, I mean, I was so impressed with myself, but nothing you've heard of and nothing that's around anymore, you know? And then I tried writing a novel and it was no good. And then I tried writing another novel. My first novel I tried writing was horror. No good. Second one was romance. It was like awful. I'm, I was, oh, it was. Wait, 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 wait. Why was it awful? Why? Um, 
because I couldn't, oh, okay. So this is kind of a funny, actually, this is a great question. I've never answered this question. It was, it was awful because it did not fit with what a romance reader is looking for there. It was like way too funny and like disgusting. (laughs) Just like, it was too strange. It was too strange for romance. So it should never be seen. And also it's only, it was the second book I wrote. Um, and then the third book I wrote was a, a crime novel, just like a PI novel. That was the thing at the time. And I was reading a ton of Dennis Lehane. Um, oh, yeah. So I tried that and that one was decent. I, I sent it out and, you know, it got like a couple of good comments, but just, you know, rejection. Um, and then I wrote a biotech thriller and I got an agent with that biotech thriller. Um, and she tried to sell that one and a second one, and a third one, and they didn't sell. And I did self-publish two for a short period of time. Okay, then I'll get back to that. But then um, when I I wrote this like psychological thriller and it sold, you know, it sold to a publisher and we kind of just bounced around the idea of, do we want to take those other thrillers off and launch me like as a debut? So I did, I took them off. I mean, they didn't do, they didn't do anything anyways, because you have to like, you have to be, you have to have marketing strength, right? If you really want to put yourself out there, you know, self-publish and I don't have marketing strength. (laughs) So they just sat there because I didn't, you know, because I was like, how much time do you have? (laughs) Right, 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 right. So that's, that's why it took like 20 years to get, you know, a contract for me because it was just a ton of rejection along the way and I'm slow. Well, let me ask you this. So Titan, Titan books. Titan, yeah. They're in Titan, the UK. The UK, right. So, but, but, so your first book, yes, She Lies Close. There you go. Standalone, like this one, I'm assuming. This, yes, yeah, yeah. this is not a sequel to that. So w- what was the magic? What, who was the person that picked up that book and said, that manuscript and said, oh, Sharon, you got something here. Okay, so my my agent who read my three biotech thrillers and who liked them, I mean, she picked, you know, she signed me because she liked them, but she couldn't sell them. Um, and part of that is like everything, like a little bit of luck, maybe like they they weren't quite there yet. Who knows, you know? Um, but then I said, well, I'm working on something different, and I sent her this, and I like I take I don't contact her much, and I'll like talk to her once a year and I'm like okay I've got something for you you know and I sent her this and she really liked it she's like what why haven't been you you know you've been doing this all along these psychological thrillers so and and actually even the the, she lies close it took a while to sell it um she sent it to a couple people and they said it was too dark and it actually was really the 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 first draft you know not the first it wasn't the first draft but not this product, an earlier, an earlier story, it was really dark. Um, and so I changed it up, you know, used their feedback and then, you know, she sent it out again and we got different feedback and then, you know, she sent it out again and it got, it got picked up by the editor there. She loved it. But first of all, you said it was really dark. How did the degree of darkness change from iteration one to iteration, the one that got published? Okay. It's very specific. Um, so the one that got published is still really dark. It's like um, it's like dark humor, and it's it's pretty dark. But the first 
um, draft that everyone was like, no, I had to step away from it. <laughs> I had to step away from it. It had like journal entries from somebody who was like really messed up and, uh, you know, this criminal. So it right. had their journal entries and, the, and people were like, no, no, no. I was, I started reading the journal entries and I had to stop. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why it doesn't like when I'm reading dark stuff, I'm like all in, I'm not right. like, <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't bother me. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I guess I wonder, and, and I thought about this a number of times, especially since a psychologist is uh, doing a narration of sorts at the beginning of several chapters, I wonder, oh, does poor Sharon have psychological problems? People, I mean, both of my books are a little bit crazy, but I guess that's like, that's just what I find. It, it's so fun to write. I mean- sure. I, and also, I, I guess, like, I have a natural instinct to kind of just anybody I meet <laughs> to just assume they have like a dark side or like, you know, things they don't share and stuff like that. And so sure. that's my natural thing. So I always go dark. Yeah. I don't know. But I do like, I mean, the psychology in this is here for a particular reason. I mean, I, get, I can't really say why, because um, it's a spoiler. Um right. But, you know, the psych, the psych, there's no psychologist in the first book. The psychologist in, in Confess to Me is there um, for a reason. Um, and it had to do with, like, what inspired the story was this, like, true story I had heard involving psychologists. And Yeah, it would be a huge spoiler alert to talk too in-depth about it. So I'll try to dance around it. But what I was fascinated by, uh, there's a couple things I was fascinated by. And I've made some notes here. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. Thank you. I'm so flattered that there's notes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. When I started reading about multiple personality disorder, this isn't giving anything away. It's a common thing in psychology. I love, I'm fascinated by this. In my first book, I use this a lot, and I think it turned into disassociative dis- disorder, if I'm not mistaken. I may have. Yeah, they changed it. They changed it in the manual. Yeah. In the psychological manual. Oh, I just, the fact that one person can in literally inhabit multiple people, so to speak, is fascinating to me. You know, when I first saw some entries that I kind of referenced earlier, in the yeah. book. And I was like, what is that about? A little bit later, oh, there it is again. What's that about? And that's when I clicked and I'm like, oh boy, now, you, now you've now you pulled me in a different level. Well, first of all, this is a question because we're talking about darkness. What does the three children uh, think about mommy being a psychological thriller writer? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So this is funny. Okay. So my oldest, he's not really into, well, none of them are impressed <laughs> at all at all. Like we were actually at, um, I, I forced them to go into Barnes and Nobles with me the other day. And, um, I asked my oldest, my 17 year old to record me. And I'm like, both my books are on the table. And he's like, wait, you have two. (laughs) He did not know I launched a book last month. He did not know. So that's like, kind of like where we're at, but with him. And so he, um, he's not really into reading. I've always had to push him to read. So he's got no interest in reading them. My second child who's 16 asked me like, Hey, it was kind of sweet. He's like, Hey, can I read your books? And I'm like, well, 
you know, you're too old for me to tell you, like, you can't read a book, but I'm right. like, I really would not read it. <laughs> I would strongly you advise that? you. I, yeah, I said, do not read it. Um, I'm like, you know, I can't force you. you. You're your own person. You're 16. But I would strongly advise you not to read it because there's like explicit sex and language. I don't want to like, <laughs> like that was, seems too creepy to be reading like, you know, explicit sex and language written by your mom. So I said, yeah. I would hold off. Yeah. And my, my youngest, I said, they're horror. I just, in, I, they're not horror. They're psychological oh. thrillers. Oh. But I said, they're horror. You can't read them. So I've advised everybody to not read them. And how how old is the youngest? Uh, nine. Okay, so you don't have to worry about this at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can I'm read trying. somebody else's sex and violence. Yeah. Don't, don't read it from your mother. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of sex, and I do this a lot. Meg Gardner, when I first started reading Meg Gardner, who will be a guest on an upcoming show, I would do this. She would turn a phrase a certain way, and I'm like, Jesus, how does she do that? It's just so beautiful. So here's one of yours that I love. I wanted to cover her mouth with mine and, and never let either of us come up for air. I wanted to bite her bottom lip because it was too soft, too irresistible. And when her blood mingled with my saliva, it would taste like communion. Thank you. That's, I'm flattered that you like it. That is tasty. It's 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 <laughs> sexy, but it's not even your sex. By the way, even your sex, and I I had this comment: your sex, while steamy, is not like over the well. It's not like romance novel writer, um, right. which that's not a that's not a diss on romance right. novels because I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Yeah. It's just a different genre and a different expectation. Yeah, exactly. But you, you, you give just enough and it really is kind of tantalizing. And, and I find it interesting. I, I, I'm driving yesterday. I'm taking my wife out to dinner and I said, I got to tell you something, honey, and, and take this in a great way. Cause it's, it's all good. By the way, <laughs> everything is good with me. I said, I think it's very interesting. I read May Cobb's book, The Hunting Wives. Oh, that was amazing. That was good. Yeah. And there is a little fascination with the main character who has a little bit of a girl crush. Main yeah. one, uh, female protagonist has a girl crush. Yeah. And I saw a similar thing happen in a book. Oh, I don't know. I can't think of the book right now, but it's, <laughs> it'll come to me later. Oh, confess to me. And there was a similar thing there. And I was like, and that, that, I turned to her, I said, I'm driving. And I said, is this a thing? Is this a thing? And she looked at me like, is, is, is what a thing? Having, being in a marriage, but having this little bit of a, you know, mental fantasy, a thing. She goes, hmm, hmm. not with me. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> are you being honest with me? <laughs> And I said, are you being honest with me? That's so funny. You know what? It, it served the book. There's none of that in my first book. Although my first book does have more, the sex is more explicit. Um, there's more of it. It like has more of a role in exposing the characters in the story. Um, in this book, gosh, it, I don't think that was there as much in the first draft, but it served the story 
it served the story and it served the characters. And, you know, the funny thing about sex scenes is that I find them very useful at exposing the character. Like really, you know what I mean? These things that, you know, there's things that you talk about with people and there's things that you don't. So any type of vulnerabilities or shame or different things, it's a very effective way to expose that. And so, gosh, I'm trying to think like a lot of that was kind of, you know, added in later drafts to develop, but I don't know if it's a thing. I mean, I think it's a thing a little bit. Well, I guess what I'm getting at, is it a thing with you maybe? No, no, (laughs) but, um, okay. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of inspirations to this story. Um, and one of the inspirations actually there's, yeah, there's like five things that you can, you know, like things that either I saw or things that happened to me that just kind of stuck around and I knew they'd come out at some point. So there was this woman who I knew who was very charismatic, like so fun. Um, She worked with kids. So that's how I knew her. And she was like this dynamic woman that you were just drawn to. The kids were drawn to her. Everyone was drawn to her, not sexually, just like she total charisma. And then um, I kind of fell out of touch with her um, because my kids weren't, you know, they didn't have that sport anymore. And then I just find out like maybe a year or two later that she's been arrested for a serious crime. And so that made my, that start. Yeah. That started, you know, it was going to come out like somewhere like that's so crazy to think, you know, someone really well. And then there's this complete other side of their personality and they're like very charismatic and, um, you know, everybody loves them and they've got this whole other side. And I mean, like, I'm already not that trusting of people in the first place. And then like things like that happen to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) can't trust anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was one inspiration to the book. So that is how that, you know, played out in my life. But then I added an actual relationship to it instead of just like, wow, there's this like really fun woman who's very charismatic and lovely to talk to. And my kids love her to like it, you know, it's different in the, in the book. Well, that answers a lot. And (laughs) I'm I'm reading, I'm reading uh, testimonials and uh, blurbs on your book from some really great authors. And one of my favorites, it doesn't get much better than this. Somewhere between Ozark and Sharp Objects, there is Sharon Doring's Confess to Me. Get settled in for a long night of reading because you want to put this down. I mean, what do you always get told? Blank meets blank in a blank kind of world, right? Yeah. But Ozark and Sharp Objects, two strong shows. That had to have just like, bam. Yes, I love that. (laughs) that. Samantha Downing. Yes. I mean, that was like such an awesome blurb from her. And as I'm pitching it, um, I'm pitching it with like Ozark and sharp objects. And I'm also, there was another blurb from the daily mail in the UK that said it would be appealing for fans of tiger King. And I'm going with that too, because these are like really popular things. And, you know, at first when I heard like the blurb about tiger King, I'm like, Oh gosh, is that like a criticism? (laughs) Is that a criticism? And I'm like, 
no, that show had like 65 million viewers. Like, I want those people. Tiger King is one of those <laughs> anomalies that come along every once in a while. It, it literally is like watching a really bad accident. You want to turn away, yes. and you're like, but you can't. You're like, um, I actually didn't watch it. <laughs> I started watching it and I wanted to watch it with my husband. And he he sat down for like one minute and he's like, nope, not interested. <laughs> So I'm I'm drawn to stuff like that, but not everybody is. Some of the uh, words that came out, irresistible, vicious, creepy. Oh, that's you. That's me. I'm sorry. It's okay. I didn't know if I was having a takeout order coming through or something. Still have a landline. What? What is that? <laughs> we paid like prepaid for years like for this cheap magic jack so we still have this landline oh we don't use it okay and <laughs> we're back so irresistible vicious creepy spellbinding i'm gonna add to that wow what a hell of a ride so i just wanted to get out of that in case you needed another blurb from a self-published <laughs> guy who does a little podcast thank you that means a lot that means so much to me i mean it's like you know you get and you get these emails and you get these messages from somebody who loved your book. And it's yeah. like, it's it. That's it. It makes your day. Sometimes it makes your week. You know what I mean? It's like you're doing it for yourself, right? Because you feel this urge to write and you need to write. But like, you know, as you're editing, you've got the reader in mind. And when a reader has a good time with your book, it's like, oh my gosh, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. That's the whole point. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. <clears throat> you got this book to me uh, just days ago, I was in the middle of a vacation with my family. Sorry. So I picked, no, 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 it's all good. I picked it up while I was va vacation. I'm bouncing my brand new six-month-old granddaughter, Allison, on this knee, fending off my two-year-old uh, grandson, Jack, who wants to have my undivided attention, loving all of that in beautiful Colorado Springs. And I'm going... Honey, I've got to escape. I've got a little homework to do. So I, I sneak <laughs> away for a chapter or two. But then I didn't pick it up again because I've got a you know a few other things going on. And I picked, I, I literally, I woke up this morning about 4.30 and I, I, your book popped into my head because I'd gotten pretty close to the end last night. And I got this morning and I'm just ripping through pages. And here's my thing. This is one thing I loved how you did. And I, one of the best compliments I think I can pay you is that I didn't see some of that coming and so you're getting along closer to the end you're like what's gonna what and that <laughs> those last handful of chapters thank you so much that is that it's such a huge compliment it means so much it's um yeah and the, and the, the weird thing is that the weirdest thing is with writing this book I, I I was in a different place than writing my first book my first book I was in a complete bubble no social media. It just wasn't my thing. I didn't know really any writers, wasn't talking to any writers. Right. So my first book, I mean, it has some like shocks in it, but, but that's not the, the, that's not the main thing is like these twists where that you don't see coming. It's a buildup because I don't personally need like a twist. I'm in it for the character and I'm in it to see like how far you can stretch the character and how crazy that can get. But with the second book, I had gotten on social media because it had been mandated to me. Why? <laughs> that and by like agent publisher, yeah. like get on social media, like come on, you've been dragging your feet forever. <laughs> like, yeah. On social media. Yeah. So 
got on hearing, like being so connected to the actual readers and seeing the books that are coming out and, and what readers like about them. And it's like, wow, everybody loves twists, <laughs> all these twists and everybody wants to be totally surprised. I did not know that. Isn't that goofy that I didn't know that? That is terribly goofy, <laughs> Sharon. You're a goofball. I was, I was in a bubble, but because that that's not important to me to be, whoa, I didn't see that comment. That that was never important to me when I was reading. Yeah. I don't know. But the, so anyway, so that informed this book and I had already written like half of it. Then I got on social media. And so with like the second draft, third draft, I'm like, oh, I got to like, I got to really please some like people who want surprises. So I just tweaked things to like ramp it up. Well, mission accomplished. And Heather is in a real shit storm. I mean, the way she is in and out of trouble. And then some of those last scenes, I thought to myself, this girl is going to start writing action thrillers before you know it, because you really do know how to create that cadence. But the multiple points of view, one of the points I wanted to make, at first it was kind of confusing. Multiple points of view, meaning a uh, chapter told by Heather, next one told by Trevor, her husband. At first, ex excuse my ignorance, I, I wasn't quite getting it. And then once I really kind of got into the characters and then I really appreciated the fact that I was seeing the world through their eyes, I was like, that's really an interesting technique. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of that. I, I know it's out there, but... I, yes. I really, I really dug that. The multiple points of view. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's another thing since getting on social media and seeing what people expect from psychological thrillers, yeah. they really like that. And I mean, I actually like that too, to be able to like, see something, like see something play out from these different points of view. And you get, I mean, it adds like all, it adds so much, you know what sure. I mean? Sure. Well, look at Girl on a Train. Remember when Paula Hawkins wrote that and everyone was yeah. like, what? Yes. The the un, un, unreliable narrator and all of a sudden yes. you're like. Yeah, that uh, was amazing. God. So wait a minute. So you love that. We all love that. But and you knew that you liked it, but you didn't assume that all audiences like it. So really what you're saying is you were just like, oh, I needed to realize that for lack of a better term, maybe I need to write a little bit more for what the audience is expecting. Is that kind of like what you're thinking? Yeah, little, yeah. a little bit. Um, although I was lucky that I had written most of a first draft, I think still in my bubble, because I think that would have messed with my head if all of a sudden I was just trying to write my second book and I was like, too focused on what people wanted that sure. might have like led me astray. So I was still in my bubble, but then I was far enough along where it only, it served me. It served me. It helped me. It didn't like, you know, it didn't like screw me up or block my ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So we can say that Sharon Doring's life is pre-bubble and post-bubble. <laughs> so the dual, here's the other thing I love, the dual voices in Heather's head. Um, again, a little confusing at first, but then I go, Ooh, I like her schizophrenia traveling down dual paths. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's a weird one. I mean, she's had like a really rough life, so she's got a lot going on and she's got to work through a lot of things. And she has all these, I mean, she's got a lot of relationship issues and a lot of secrets. So yeah, I mean, she was, she was fun to write. The humor that you weave in and out of this. <clears throat> I probably got more kick out of that 
the the little side comments to self one of my favorite things ever because you get to it's like you get to experience that person oh is that how you feel yeah i bet that's how you feel you crazy bitch you know those kind of things i i caught myself laughing out loud it was i knew i was 100 percent certain you were hilarious in real life thank you i, <laughs> I think my it. family would disagree <laughs> my family would disagree but i like i like dark humor and i don't know it just i like it in there i mean a lot of my favorite psychological thrillers have some humor in them i just like yeah. that going back to my tab here's another this is a good time for tab number two she had to have made her editor proud because you do this thing where you strip away all the extraneous words. Let's stick with succinct. As darkness swallowed him, twigs snapped, first close, then farther. Dirt slipped, giving way, kicking loose and falling. Branches cracked, then a small splash. There's nothing, there's not a single extraneous word in there. And it painted this entire picture like that. Thank you. I mean, yeah, right. Like when we're writing, we want to tell a good story, but we love the words, you know, yeah. and the words are so important. So, I mean, and you pour your heart into the words and, you know, and try to do, you know, try to serve them. You know what I mean? And, sure. and then as you're editing, I don't know how you do it. If, you know, if you overwrite or underwrite, and then you like, if you underwrite, you have to fill it in, or if you overwrite and then try to cut it down. Um, but I do find myself overwriting and then trying to cut it down because I don't want to, I don't want to bog down the story. I want to just like, you know what I mean? So yes. what do you do? What do you do when you write? Do you underwrite and then fill it in or the other way? Thank you for asking. I actually overwrite. You're what right. I will do is uh, I try to get, let's just, let's start with a chapter. I try to write the chat. I know what the chapter needs to feel like. I know where I'm going to the end of the chapter. And I try to write it relatively quickly, but I will be a little more floral with it, for lack of a better term. I'll, I'll add lots of different words just so that I'm painting the biggest picture because I know exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah. The next or the next day, uh, I will start the day. Let's just say I'm using one chapter. I'll start the next day with that chapter. And I'll go right then. I'll go hmm, too many words and I'll kind of trim that off. I won't, I won't massacre it because I may still need some of that cush. And then I go on my merry way. Now, my last three books, my sister has a PhD in English. I hired her to be my editor for this. And she's, well, that's a handy relationship. <laughs> well, she's, she's effing brilliant. And I mean, brilliant. And she, Oh my God, there's a couple of different things. Dangling participle, dangling participial phrase has been one of my nemesis, but she's taught me to, how to get out of that. But she, so I know that if I write this way and I trim the next day and I still have a little cush, then when I hand it to her, there's probably going to be a little more carving. There's always some, um, what is it? People say that you, you add in all those things, like, readers don't know that you add in maybe all these um, twists and red herrings, you know, you, you add them in and they, they think you knew what you were doing the whole time when really it's like second, third draft and you can make it flow where that, you know, it's not choppy where, you know, but you really didn't quite know exactly what you were doing 
the first time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like a reader might think, you know, Sure. but I'm a bigger, I'm a fan of writing a little bit bigger than shorter because I don't want to come back later and have to beef it up. However, now that I talk out of both sides of my mouth, listening to what you said earlier, there is a benefit after you get that done, that first draft, and then you go back and like you said, oh, I want to go back in and add a little twist and a turn and a bump in the road. That is different because that's just, I call it kind of like layering a cake. My wife makes this seven layer cake, which is to die for. And she has, you know, and you're, you bake the basic cake and then you add a little bit more. So to that point, I kind of like that. So I have a question about your book. Yes, um, So I've got your book, but I haven't started it yet. Am I supposed to read the first one first? I would like to gently suggest that you yeah. do. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's the reason. If And look, I'm not assuming you will. Uh, I gave yeah. that to you as a gift because yeah. I just, you, you've been so kind to me and gracious. Um, you could read the second one and as a standalone, I do <clears throat> build it so that if you're coming out of nowhere, you're going to be fine. However, yeah. I'm so stinking proud of the first one, which really yeah. sets the stage for who this yeah. character is. And that first one is perhaps infinitely more complex. And I think you would really enjoy it because it's yeah, it's yeah. so deeply layered and there are so many characters and it is more of a mystery than a thriller. However, uh, you could call it a mystery thriller if you wanted to. My point being, there's so much going on and there's so much story and so much evolution of who Patricia Norelli is. Yeah. So that when you get to book two, you've got all that history behind you and you're, you're, there's so many little questions answered for you. I love that. Okay. I'm definitely, definitely going to read the first one first because I love that. I love when a writer is like, I am really proud of this. You know what I mean? Cause you know, it's like you pour your heart and soul into it. And actually I was laughing uh, with a friend about this because with my, with confess to me, I'm like pitching it. Like, you know, it's like, do you like Tiger King? Ozark? Like it's got mountain lions in it and there's some devil worship. So I'm like trying to like pitch it, you know, in these, you know, very like, um, just like catch words, you know, L little, little things like that. But really, you know, you pour yourself into it. You pour so much of yourself into it. And I was just laughing with a friend because I'm like, hey, devil worship. <laughs> like, like, no, like it's so that's such a crazy transition when you're promoting your book, like something you pour your heart and soul into. And then you're, you know, switching over to the marketing and like trying to, you know, pitch it in these like really just shallow ways. I love when someone says they're so proud of what they wrote. I love that, you know? Well, thank you. And I got to tell you something. Uh, my next book, which I'll, which I've just started will be my, either my ninth or my 10th. Uh, I think it's my 10th because I said to myself on my 10th book, I, I told myself I would do nine books. And on the 10th one, I would go after an agent for it because I figured it would, 10 would probably cover roughly 10 years, fills into the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. The Hollywood yeah. takes 10 years to be a hit. I feel like I've got my homework behind me, but I will say there's only two books of all of the books that I've written that I go, 
I am really, really proud of this one. That first one is the poser because, yeah. uh, and I just got interviewed by a group that they said, you know, what, what made you choose a female protagonist? Why, why be a guy writing as a woman? I'm like, well, kind of like my entire career, if I didn't think I could do it, I wanted to see if I could. So I kind of proved it to myself that I could. And I, and I had this idea of a, of a character. I mean, I grew up with a strong mother, two strong sisters. I've dated strong women. I'm married to a strong woman. I like a strong take charge woman. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you had a kick-ass broad, I'm being playfully uh, irreverent, <laughs> who grows up in a world of the male dominated society, LAPD, but put her in that world and see how she deals with it. I love it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read the first one first. So you're so this is you're working on your tenth. This is this will this upcoming will be my tenth book. Yeah. And what uh, you've probably already covered your background. What made you write your first? Like, did you do like short stories like I did till and work up to one, or did you just sit down and said like I have the I have this novel in me. I got to get it out. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's really interesting. No, <laughs> I love to hear. I mean, I it's like right. Like when you're right when you're a writer, it's like such a solitary thing. You're kind of dying to know like what's it like for everybody else, you know? Well, you're gonna find this. I think you're gonna find this hilarious, especially since we started the show with me talking about being on the radio. So, what does a radio guy do? Radio guy entertains millions of people on a daily basis for five hours or four hours a day. Talk, 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 play music, interview people, blah, blah, blah. Very, I had a big team on all my stations in all the cities. And then all of a sudden, near the end of my radio career, I stepped into satellite radio, which is, you would know it as Sirius XM, yeah, but it was yeah. even a little bit more generic than that at the time. And so I was cruising on this show, not really uh, stimulating, Okay. And I had always been a closet writer. I would always jot down notes and just think of ideas, just constantly doing that and sticking them into a notebook. Here's the thing. So I worked the afternoon show. So everyone left at five. So about 530, I'd go down the hall and pick up my secretary's IBM Selectric, go back in the studio and just sit there in between long riffs of music and just craft out short stories because my brain, this brain, one side, would do this without even thinking about it because I've been doing it for so long, but this brain needed some creativity. Yeah. And yeah. so I just literally started banging out little one page, two page, three page short stories. And I would, and a lot of times Sharon, it wouldn't even be a short story. It would just be right. like, I have an idea. It's a scene yet. I digress. So anyway, the point <laughs> I being, love, no, I love it. I love it. I slipped all those notes away. And I stuck them into a notebook and I just, I just sat on it. I still have it here in the office. And so I met my wife years later. We're sitting in New York, uh, getting ready to decide what to do next. And she said, what other ideas do you have? And I'm like, well, let me pull out my notebook of ideas. <laughs> and she's like, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting. That. Oh, hell yeah. Why don't you write this one? Yeah. Okay. That opening, it was an opening scene. It was chapter yeah. one. And it was the beginning of The Poser. That's very cool. That's interesting that she played a role. Like I, when, I, when I read the different writing books, when I've read on writing by Stephen King, you know, numerous times, because it's so, it's such a good 
entertaining read. And then it also like always had that underlying, have you read it? Oh yeah. It's one of my, it's my Bible. It It has that underlying theme of like, no shame, no shame. Like you just get, get serious with what you want to get serious, you know, in your writing. And, um, and his wife, like, you know, played this role throughout, like, you know, no, you have to keep going with this one, you you know, so that's really interesting that it, like, it's similar for you. I'm going to go one better because I know you have a big, you have a little romance heart in you. I, I picked up on that. So my wife and I have a great love story. I'll tell you off camera a little bit later. When we met, we met in uh, Manhattan and she said, if you could do anything, what would it be? I'm like, writing. She said, do it. That's what you should do. She said, just go do it. And so I got to tell you, uh, it's it's a lot to do to her. And if you met her, you'd, you'd get it instantly. I mean, she's an amazing woman. And she said, this, you are made for this. That's amazing. I love that story. That, I mean, yeah, that's so great. And that's also so interesting that, you know, the writing came in there. Do you think a lot of actors and actresses want to write because they're so like it's so about the ex- expression, self-expression and character and like so how complicated the character is and like how snappy and sharp the dialogue is. Do you think a lot of them want to write? Yes. Uh, and I'm seeing this more and more. I, every time I turn on a podcast, I hear another star celebrity writing a book. And I think it is it's a couple of very essential things. We're all storytellers. Excuse me. We're hardwired to tell stories. So there's that. Second of all, especially if you've been an actor, I mean, what does an actor do? An actor says, an actor take take the script, inhabit it, tell the story through your mind, through your eyes. So, you know, you're going to color this piece of paper, the script, the character with who you are. That's great storytelling. I think, I think we're all storytellers. I think every single one of us in some form or fashion are storytellers. That's lovely. <laughs> super lo- it is super lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, you're, I mean, you're right. Because when you read about like, you, there's like a statistic, like, I think it's like 81% or something of people want to write a novel, right? So you're right. It's kind of like a lot of people want to do it. But I guess like, I, I just was thinking like, oh, yeah, I mean, if you're an actor, you're really into like character and expression and, you know, the, the workings of the mind and, you know, you know, so I would think it's probably even higher than 81% maybe I would, know, with I, actors. I think so. And you know what I think is funny. I, I don't know how many times I've heard, and I know you've heard this too. How many of our friends around us have said, oh, I want to write a book. I'm so going to write a book. Well, great. Get to it. Oh, well, maybe not today, but I'll start it tomorrow. So those people are not yes. really wrong. I actually don't have anyone in my life who went, who's a book. Oh. So maybe my circle is like super small Midwestern circle. I don't know. Nobody's told me they want to write a book. Oh, wow. I have but, literally dozens of people who have said, oh, yeah, I want to write a book. I'm like, we'll do it. Well, yeah. I'm not really sure I know how to do it. I'm like, well, yeah. can you write a check? Uh-huh. You can write a book. <laughs> no, I'm nobody, kidding. nobody knows how to do it. I mean, even somebody who's written, who's r- written a b- bunch of bestsellers, they still sit down to, you know, their blank 
screen when they're starting a new book and they're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Right. I think we're afraid that maybe we won't be as good as the last one if we feel good about the last one. Oh, I can't do that again. Well, why would you think you couldn't do that again? If you did it once, you can do it twice. I think because it's such a journey. So when you're right at the start of the journey, you can't see how like you're going to make it so complex and so, you know, multi-layered and like, are you going to get the character enough? Like all the different aspects of them, you just can't see because you're right at the start of it. So maybe like, as you're maybe like at whatever, 15,000, 20,000 words, you're like, okay, I can see this is going to work. But right at the start, you just don't have like much more than, you know, some sort of minor game plan. I don't know. But back to your real essential point. Yes, it is daunting to think of yourself doing 90 to 120,000 words. Yes, do you have hiccups along the way where you go, I don't feel it today. (laughs) Yes, do you think, well, I have just the right red herrings and character development and enough twists and turns to keep the reader's interest? Yes. However, you can only write a sentence at a time. Yeah you're probably only going to write about a chapter a day, probably, maybe, maybe unless you're on a roll. And then most importantly, and I, I I'm on a, I'm going to research who your editor is because I would love to pick their brain. Her name is Sophie Robinson. Okay. She's, she's in, you know, she's a Titan. And so they're in the UK. Um, And she, she was amazing. I mean, I don't know. So I don't have any other experience with any other editors, but It's like every new, you know, it's like anything, every new experience you have builds you and you learn a lot from it. So I learned so much from her, like, you know, she give me my, my first, just um, like two pages of notes, you know, nothing in the manuscript, but just ideas Um, like, listen, you need to add a prologue and this is what needs to happen. And then like this part of the character no, you got to change that. You know what I mean? That, so the, you, these two pages of notes for both my books, I mean, you first read them and you're like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I worked so hard. I don't want it. She make these huge changes, but then you let it sink in and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, you know, the notes somebody gives you on your book. And then as they go through, you know, page by page, paragraph by paragraph saying like, no, 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 you need to add something about this here. Or like, what happens in this chapter? Like, get rid of it. But <laughs> I mean, it's kind of amazing. It's brutal, but I kind of, I love brutal because it's making it better. I was going to say, know? when you're getting pushed and, and you're straining to round off those sharp edges, you're getting better. And, and yeah. I think to myself, the very first thing that popped into my head is you have to have a, a, a tremendous amount of trust in this person to not only really know what the hell they're talking about but that they preserve your voice respect your creativity and third nurture you as a person while still gently velvet glove yeah. a velvet hammer kind of thing going knock these edges off tighten this in but trust me if you do that yeah. you're going to be pleased so what would you agree with that Yeah. I think it's kind of amazing to be able to do that in a way that like, doesn't make the writer just cry. (laughs) So it's, and it's also, I think a slow process, like first, those first notes are just like, okay, I really love this. This is how I'm seeing it. 
eh, I don't like this part. I don't like this part of the character. You know what I mean? In that gentle way. And then they, at once you turn that and then they can kind of go and break down other things. And it's in a slow enough process that you're not just a wreck. Sure, but sure. Also, and my editor did let me push back on one of the main parts of this book where in the first draft, I mean, gosh, this book was so different in its first draft. And she's like, well, I don't see the point of this. I think you should just do this. And I'm like, wait, let me see. I, I, I get what you're saying, but let me see if I can pull it off. Let me do another draft and see, you know, if I don't pull it off, okay, we can take, get rid of it, but I think I can pull it off. And then, you know, after I did that work, she said, yeah, you pulled it off. You don't have to take it out because I mean, they are like the boss, right? <laughs> Well, <laughs> like in a way, like in a way, you know, they're your publisher and they're like, you know, if you, if they say like this whole aspect of the book isn't working, you need to do this. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, well, Sharon, it's a complicated relationship, you know? Yeah, Sharon, think about this. If, if you, if you're building a new house there in Chicago, out in the suburbs and you go, Hey honey, husband, Let's go build a new house. Okay, cool. Let's interview three guys. And the first guy, you ever built a house before? No, don't have any idea. Okay, next one. Yep, here's 50 that I've built just this year and I'm a um, pro at it. Who are you going to go with? Yeah, probably the Right, one. right. Totally. Point being, they're the specialists. They, I mean, they know the yeah. market. They know, they, they know what works and what doesn't work. They've, they've seen it all and they, they respect your 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 particular take and your voice on it so yeah I think it's I think it's counterintuitive not to trust them yeah yeah so I, I mean so it's it is a, such an interesting relationship and I really love my editor and I, I think it would be really hard if you didn't like your editor <laughs> uh, as we start to wrap things up because you've, you've yeah. been so gracious with your time and I don't want to eat up your entire day I do I want to throw some random questions at you it's okay I love from, random questions yeah <laughs> from my uh, radio background and, and they can be off the top of your head there's these it's not complicated and it's it's not the number one it's just like what music do you write to do you do you write to music or do you uh do you prefer silent environments this i love this question i used to write to music i don't anymore because even though i love it it slows me down too much so i don't write to music but i can edit with music on okay excellent what, who is one of your favorite authors of all time, living or past? And if you could invite that person over for dinner, say with your husband, who would that be and what would you serve or have served? Okay. I think my two favorite authors are Stephen King and Gillian Flynn. And I would not want to have them over <laughs> because, because I just, I'm such a fan that I don't think I could relax. I think it would be better if we never. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I've never had that answer. Fair enough. Laptop or desktop or pen and paper? Laptop and pen and paper. If I need to be very creative in a short period of time, pencil and paper. Okay. Pencil, not pen, but pencil. Um, if I'm like under the gun to write a new scene, Pencil and paper is totally going to work, but typically I write on my laptop. Okay. Let's say you and your husband get to ditch those three precious angels of yours for a long weekend and you get to escape to a luxury island in the location of your choice. And you can take one book, one CD, 
and you're with your one and you can enjoy your one favorite beverage for the entire holiday getaway. What's the book? What's the CD? What's the drink? The drink is coffee. That's that one's easy. Okay. The book. Oh my gosh. Isn't this a torturous question? Maybe black house by Stephen King. Oh, I really like that one. Um, and CD. Okay. Okay. Maybe like new order or the cure. Oh, nice. Solid choices. Okay. (laughs) Final question. What's the single best piece of advice you would give any up and coming writer who's sitting here listening to this show or watching this show thinking, wow, Sharon Dorn's got it. This book was great. I want to be her when I grow up. What's the single best piece of advice you'd give? Um, Stubbornness, perseverance, right? I mean, most writers, most of them, I mean, some of them get lucky right? With like their first book or their second book. Most writers just have to just accumulate so much rejection before they get something that they wrote that's good enough for them to put out there or for somebody else to put out there, right? I mean, you gotta just like be so stubborn when everyone's like, no, 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 to just keep wasting your time (laughs) you gotta you gotta love it enough to just keep doing it even though everyone's telling you no you know what I love that I love that answer I call it tenacity you call it stubbornness we didn't get to satan worship or cougars but I'm gonna leave that for the readers because all I need to say is if you like cougars and a little dose of satan worship you're gonna love this book <laughs> Tiger King, Ozark. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I guess also if right if if a writer has written something and they're so attached to it and they're getting rejection on it, the best thing you could do is start the next book because you can always keep trying to put that one book out there or just put it out there yourself, whatever. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. But if you move on to the next thing, and you get some emotional distance from what you were working on that, you know, you're always working on the next thing that all those rejections, they don't hurt as much. Cause you're like, right. Oh, another rejection on that book. Okay. That's okay. I'm working on this next book. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to remember, did someone introduce us or did I just find it was make Cobb. It was make oh, actually. And actually she, she does not know this. But she played a role in what I'm working on because The Hunting Wives is so beautifully written, right? I mean, she's oh, a yeah. great she's a great writer. However, not however, and yeah, it's such a good pitch, right? Yeah. It's yeah, such yeah. a good pitch. So there's so many great books, but not all of them have a great pitch. They're just like, okay, this is this. You got to read this book. It's really good. I can't describe it in one sentence, but just read it. But make Hobbs the Hunting Wives that that was like one of the best pitchiest books I've read in a while where, you know, the writing was beautiful. The story was great. And oh, my gosh, this pitch, this elevator pitch. So I'm trying to write something that's a little more pitchy. Well, you've just you've just given one of the best pieces of advice. I picked this up at Thriller Fest back in 2019. By the way, plug to ITW. There's going to be a new one in, in New York in June of 22. And that is this. 
your elevator pitch, elevator pitch is so key, so essential because of that very thing. If, if it's something that's been done to death or people have heard before, or they say a phrase like, oh, I can't describe it. You should just read it and tell me. Uh, just go do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go bag groceries or something, because, you know, if you can't hone your book into a unique, flavorful, tasty, arresting uh, uh, elevator pitch, then what the hell are you doing? So that actually, I should tell May that. I haven't told her that yet. That's influenced me. May. But she delight. introduced us. She, not only did yeah. she introduce us, she was the very first guest on this brand new Thriller Zone, which I launched. I was doing a show called Naked Monday, which I'll do uh, periodically, but Thriller Zone really is the essence of what I want to talk about. So she was yeah, my very yeah. first guest. Unfortunately, sadly, she had just lost a friend. Oh yeah. So I couldn't see her. We, we, we didn't do a face-to-face. -face. It was audio only. And I really wanted to come out of the gate with that. But I think so much of her and I, I, you know, she's delightful to talk to. She's so kind, so gracious. The book is stunning. Uh, and let's not shortchange you, Miss Sharon Doring, about uh, somewhere between Ozark and Sharp Objects. That's a pretty dang good pitch. That is you a good know. pitch. I like that. Don't you know? <laughs> I did not come up with it myself. <laughs> it, it's okay. It doesn't matter where it came from. It just matters that it's out there. Yeah. All right. Blessings to you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Sharon Doring, she's about his funny and as energetic and as talented as they come. What a great guest. And if you like psychological thrillers with a gaggle of wacky characters, then Confess to Me should be on your nightstand. Okay, super cool news. On next Friday's The Thriller Zone, not only is it episode seven, which happens to be my lucky and prime number, but we have a mega special guest. Let's see if you can guess. She's an Edgar-winning novelist whose bestsellers have been translated in more than 20 languages. She's born in Oklahoma City, raised in Santa Barbara, graduated from Stanford University, moved to London to begin her writing career, and this is after practicing law in Los Angeles and teaching writing at University of California, Santa Barbara. Any ideas? Okay, here's a giveaway. She's a three-time Jeopardy! champion. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the gal who brought you the Evan Delaney series, the Joe Beckett series, the Unsub series, none other than Meg Gardner. Yes, that Meg, the dark corners of the night guard. So watch us on YouTube, listen on any of your favorite podcast channels, and please share this on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you share us. But this is going to be a super special Friday. Until then, we'll see you on the Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.